Welcome to the Bleeding Cincy Red podcast, hosted by your two favorite diehard Reds fans, Robert Lee Brewer and yours truly, Brian A. Clems. Recently, uh, Major League Baseball has been discussing the idea of adding the DH to the National League, something it's never had before. Uh, Robert thinks that is a terrible idea, and I'm here to tell you why he is so terribly wrong, um, and the DA should be added immediately. Um, listen in as we both make our cases, and then you can message us on Twitter at Red without a G, and tell us your take. Uh, I have a feeling we'll be running a poll soon after this podcast launches. As always, we are not affiliated with the Cincinnati Reds or Major League Baseball. We're just two lifelong Reds fans who bleed Cincy Red. Let's start the show. Go Reds. Officially over. Sonny Gray's got elbow stiffness, and of course, he's the guy that we extended. <laughs> Scooter is frustrated with his contract. Marty Brenneman is jumping ship, leaving the radio station. <laughs> it's just, it's over. The, the season is over. What do you think, Brian? I think we'll still be partying in October. <laughs> Uh, we're, you're right. You're we're gonna, right. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna send Marty out on a high note. Uh, Sonny Gray's stiff elbow is gonna disappear, and he's gonna win 17 games. And uh, Scooter, actually, I have no idea what to make of Scooter's comments. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Scooter. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. I, I'm not with I'm not overly worried about the Scooter situation. Uh, Sonny Gray, I don't think they've sent him over for an MRI, so that's a good sign. And Marty Brenneman has just been around since before I think my dad was born. I don't know. <laughs> He's been around forever. <laughs> that, that's probably true. I, I don't think the Reds – I'm not sure if the Reds didn't uh, send Sonny Gray off for an MRI because they're not worried or they just ran out of money since they spent all this money this postseason. <laughs> so <laughs> either way, let, let's hope it's not serious. And I actually have more faith. He'll be pitching uh, opening week. Then I do Disclafani, who I just kind of assume uh, yeah. won't be here until June. That's just kind of the MO. But whatever this team needs to make the postseason, however it works, it's okay by me. So Yeah, yeah, totally. Hopefully everyone's <laughs> healthy. Um, I see, though, and recently we've, we've made some bench additions. Uh, have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. We've got, uh, I imagine you're talking about Derek Dietrich. Yeah who came over from the Marlins, and Jose Iglesias, who came over from uh, the Tigers. And uh, both of them are signed to minor league contracts, which is a little surprising in both cases to me that uh, they had to settle for that. But I guess maybe that's free agency in uh, 2019. Yeah, I I really don't know what to make of free agency um, I know a lot of the players uh, are claiming collusion or being angry and saying they're going to have to strike soon, and I, I hope that doesn't happen because I, I always get depressed when baseball is not on. Um, and I'm typically on the player's side on this kind of stuff. 
on this one, I honestly don't know. I, I, I know this is a conversation probably for a longer conversation for another day, but um, I don't know if it's complete collusion. I don't know if it's market correction because in the past teams have been playing paying for uh, the the contracts they've been signing were for past production instead of future production. And now uh, with a lot of young GMs, a lot of smarter GMs, and a lot of the uh, analytical minds in here, they're, they're wising up and saying, I don't want to get stuck in this long-term deal if it's not going to pay off for us. Um, I, I do believe, and this, again, is probably a topic for another day, but I, I firmly believe that part of the problem is the low salaries of the rookies of those first couple of years. And it's just so cheap to have a rookie come up whom you really don't know his honest production yet versus signing a player for $30 million a year for 10 years. Um, are you going to get that much better of a production for it? And I, I think it's definitely kind of hurting some of these other guys who have been productive players uh, for the past few years when they're not stars they're not even, you know, necessarily great players. Maybe they excel at one or two things, or maybe they're quietly a decent all-around player. And the thought is, you know, why spend five million on a player like that, or eight million on a player like that, when you can bring up a guy for what five hundred thousand, four hundred thousand? I don't even know what it is. Six hundred. I know it's less than a million, and and um, we can bring up that guy and probably get comparable numbers. Maybe not quite. Then again, uh, last year, who do we have? Cliff Pennington and. Uh, Who's the other bench guy we signed? I forget. Uh, Phil Gosselin. Yeah, and and those guys, if I remember correctly, <coughs> we have the two new guys are only costing us about one and a half to two million more total, and the the upside production of those two is uh, not not even comparable. It's a much better bench. Yeah, it is it is much better. Uh, both of them are sort of sort of surprises, but I also I'm really excited about how the Reds went out and made these moves that uh, other teams obviously weren't prepared to do and uh, the conditions. The Reds are taking, I feel, uh, full advantage of the current conditions right now. They also signed uh, left-hander Zach Duke for their bullpen. And uh, that was a very... A smart signing, I felt. And, um, I mean, you can't coming into spring training, like one of the biggest needs that's still not been addressed was a backup shortstop, somebody who could truly play shortstop. And getting Iglesias, whose MO is as a premier defender, and uh, by the way, former All Star. Um, so just an, one more former All Star that the Reds have added this offseason. Uh, that's pretty cool. And then Dietrich, who I learned shares the same birthday as I do. So I'm already making the prediction he's going to hit a home run on July 18th this season, which is also <laughs> is it the Yaziel Puig bobblehead night. So <laughs> it's it's going to be a big night, July 18th. Mark it down. It's against the Cardinals. Uh, it's, you're gonna it's have gonna be, to be such here. a letdown if the Reds are shut out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm hyping this up in my head already. Um, but but Dietrich, uh, past uh, couple years has been you know double digit homers. He's been uh, 750 OPS, which is uh, which you know doesn't sound like a lot for a starter, but he's not being asked to be a starter. He's the guy off the bench, and um, and when you compare him. 
and Iglesias to Pennington Gosselin, as you mentioned. That's worlds removed as far as uh, uh, production and, and what you can expect out of these guys. So, Yeah, even on the defensive front. It, it, this is going to be nice to have a guy who, who can hit some and play good defense. Uh, should we falter or should a game be real close and you feel like you need to get Peraza out of there? Not that Peraza's a bad defender. Um, I think he's making strides to get better and better. But if you're going to have someone on the bench, it's nice to have a hitter uh, or someone who can come in and, and be solid um, and save save runs. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, uh, one, one other uh, kind of, I don't know if it's a piece of news or not, but... Uh, uh, Right after the the fantasy <coughs> podcast that we had, uh, talking about Iglesias and the possibility of saves and all that stuff, of course, uh, David Bell came out and said that uh, Iglesias is not necessarily going to be in the closer role this year. So, um, what what are your thoughts on that, Brian? On the fantasy front, I hate it. <laughs> it makes yeah. fantasy baseball a little less exciting, and it makes it harder to manage. Uh, as a fan of the Reds and a fan of baseball, I absolutely love it. I, I believe that's what you should be doing. I mean, the frustration we faced during the Chapman years where we would uh, be playing some of these dynamite teams with great lineups and you'd come in in the eighth inning or even the seventh inning and there would be bases loaded with one out and instead of bringing in your best pitcher, who for us was Aroldis Chapman, who could blow people away, we'd be bringing in other people who were all capable pitchers. They were all decent pitchers, but they weren't Aroldis Chapman. And if they blew that lead, then suddenly our closer would never be in the game. And we never see Chapman. Didn't that happen in the, the one set of the playoffs? One of yeah, those years in the yeah. playoffs, we didn't see him like at all. Yeah, yeah. That, that is uh, definitely an argument for putting Iglesias in earlier in games at times when uh, more is at stake. And uh, since since I don't play fantasy baseball, it doesn't really matter as much to me. <laughs> uh, though I could definitely see how that would create a headache for uh, fantasy owners. Yeah, uh, the, the new wave in baseball, while well, I think is probably – generally good for baseball, um, at least good for the competitive side of things. It, it, it has made fantasy baseball t- similar, a little similar to fantasy football where a lot of teams started splitting running backs and you would mm-hmm. have one guy who would run the field and then you have one guy who's just running in touchdowns. And that, yep. that makes it very hard and it kind of decreases the value and the fun of that position. And the same is kind of happening with baseball and closers. And that's been evolving for a few years. And w- what's even tougher is how it's changing <laughs> how it's changing for pitchers, the starting pitchers. And this idea that there could be an opener really messes up quality starts. A lot of these guys aren't lasting more than five innings, not because they're not pitching well. It's all part of the game plan. And that that has definitely been frustrating as a fantasy baseball owner. Um, but as far as a uh, baseball fan, I, I love teams trying new things and finding new ways to win. Yeah, as long as the Reds win. That's all I ask. So. <laughs> I don't want anything else. <laughs> no more, no less. <laughs> yeah. So actually talking about pitchers, um, kind of the, the thing that started this episode uh, for us was uh, debating uh, a possible rule change in the future for the National League of moving to the designated hitter uh 
being a, a major league covering both sides of the league instead of just the American League. And I know that we both, uh, at one point, were against the DH, but that over time, you've kind of moved over to the dark side <laughs> while I've stayed on the side of good and right. <laughs> sure uh, thing, so, Mr. Scott so are you ready to debate uh, this DH uh, rule change that that's possible eventually. It's not going to happen in 2019, obviously. Um, and many people feel that it's inevitable. I mean, I can kind of see the writing on the wall. I don't want it to happen. Um, but, uh, Brian, I don't know. Do you, do you have uh, a reason why you've uh, slowly been moving that yes. direction. Yes, and I know a lot of people have been very passionate about this. In fact, I've always been passionate about it, and it makes me laugh how much my thinking has evolved and how much I have changed on this front. Um, we, I, I remember that one of the days that really hit me that this change needs to be made was honestly, uh, I, I want to say, oh my God, it's probably been about 10 years now when my, my, my reasoning started to shift. And I remember specifically, it was a Yankees game that I was watching on ESPN, I believe. And I had it on in the background, and their pitcher, I believe it was Ching-Min Wong. I think, I think that was the pitcher that day. I can't remember. And I believe as he was running the bases, I think it was him. I believe as he was running the bases, uh, he injured himself. Um, I want to say he like tore a tendon or something. I know that... that it wasn't while he was pitching. It, it was while he was running. And and at that moment, I just thought, pitchers are making so much money. They're so valuable. They don't know how to hit. This is a, uh, They're playing in the NL ballpark where he's not used to hitting whatsoever. And because of that, I thought, you know, I think maybe it's time to get the, the pitchers out of the batter's box and keep them on the mound where they, they now belong. And that, that's the moment where my, my thinking started to shift. I don't think I was 100% in, but I, I was starting to make the case in my mind. And and now everybody who wants to keep the DH out of the NL is crazy, man. They're crazy. And, uh, <laughs> and I will explain why as we go. Robert and I are like best buds. We agree on so much. And this one we just don't see eye to eye on. And never yeah. will. <laughs> well, but. Well. I'm, I'm glad that you used a Yankee pitcher as an example for making your mind change on this. And you said that you've your thoughts have evolved on this. I've got to say that they're probably more devolved on <laughs> this whole DH thing. Um, I, I, I'm not going to use – if an American League pitcher gets hurt because they don't know how, how to run the bases or swing a bat – I just have to say that the fault lies with the American League having the DH in the first place. I'm <laughs> totally, totally against the DH, and I've always thought that the American League is the inferior league as a result of this because um, the thing that I love about having a pitcher being forced in the lineup is that I love strategy. It's one of the things I love about baseball, you know, Pitchers are trying to outfox batters. Batters are trying to key on in on different things with uh, the pitchers, base runners, or you know, trying to fake out pitchers and catchers. 
there, there's so much strategy going on. Even when it looks like nothing's happening, there's so much happening. And um, I feel like having pitchers bat adds so much in-game strategy during a game where a coach has to think every time that a pitcher's coming up to bat, do I want to let this pitcher keep pitching? How does it weigh against uh, the situation of bringing in a pinch hitter here to to bat for the pitcher? And for me, like it's, it's just, I feel like baseball does itself a disservice by taking away that that strategy when uh, you just throw a, a designated hitter in there and then the pitchers, you don't have to worry about that that element of the game, that element of strategy during the game of, you know, when to pull a pitcher out and uh, in, in favor, you know, because there are, there are times when you pull a pitcher out, like pull a pitcher out because he's going the third time through the lineup or the fourth time through the lineup and you uh, are doing it solely based off the pitching itself, but it's, like kind of amped up to another level when you have to think, well, how is he pitching versus how like the situation for batting, like getting the runs right now. And, and it's, there's just so much that a manager has to weigh in the game when you have a pitcher in the lineup. See, my heart bleeds for the pit, for the managers these days because I understand the strategy of it, but they're faced with so many more strategy decisions today. Whether that's to be shifts, they have to focus on every other uh, other player in there. Whether that's when to bring in the reliever, when to leave in the starting pitcher, not necessarily just because of the at bat, but because of the the, uh, the the upcoming matchups and and how that pitcher's effectiveness. Is going and so I'm going to take one of these responsibilities away from them, uh, alleviate that pain. Honestly, I, I don't really care. I, I love the strategy of it too. I think there's plenty, plenty to get by on. But uh, now you have the ability. If you have the DH in the NL, now you have the ability to keep a pitcher in even when he's coming up in that batting lineup. And uh, you're sometimes you have to weigh taking them out, and you don't want to. You have your ace on the mound. You have. Sunny <laughs> Gray on the mound, <laughs> and it's the sixth inning, and you know you can get one more inning out of him, except he's coming up in the lineup, and you, you have to do kind of a disservice to him by taking him out of there early. And so that's another reason that I think over time, my thoughts on the DH have changed. Is that I want I want the manager to be able to, to push those pitchers to their limits without having to worry about well I've I've got to take him out and I've got to put this guy in who's on my bench who only hits marginally better than uh, the pitcher that I have if you're a small market team because often, like last year, we would have to bring in Cliff Pennington to bat for uh, for these guys. So I, I really think the DH w- would benefit us by allowing those pitchers to stay in and not not have to force the managers into making some kind of decision that isn't necessarily in the best interest of the starting pitching. Now, one of the other things that I think um, – is a a big actual disadvantage when it comes to the NL versus the DL having the DH. And and maybe this argument changes if the DH gets rid or the the American League gets rid of the DH. But assuming it never will, um, it's it's coming to the NL, and it's because once we get to the playoffs, most teams in the NL are not equipped to face the American League teams, particularly when we go 
to the uh, American League ballparks. When they come to the National League ballparks, our pitcher has to hit, their pitcher has to hit. Really, how much better are our National League pitchers hitting than the American League pitchers who never practice? Not much. Not much. And, uh, and so, but when they come to our league and like the Red Sox in, in the, I mean, no, they won last year, but even before, um, well, last year they could come and they could have JD Martinez hitting in that spot. And who would we have had off the bench? I mean, my, my eyes are, I, I'm even coming to a blank to name anybody who would be remotely comparable to that. And so because of that, I believe in every American League park that we play in, uh, in the uh, playoffs, it's a disadvantage. And during interleague play, it's a disadvantage. I believe it's why over the past 10 years, uh, my friend Dan and I, he would always say the American League is a superior league. I would be like the National League is. But we, we tend to lose when it comes to the number of interleague games. Now, there are other factors that go into it. But I believe one of the big factors is the fact that uh, all our teams are short. A DH. We have one spot where we're deficient compared to them, and over the course of more games, it's it's going to show, and it does every year. And so that's another reason why I, I think the the DH makes sense in the National League. Yeah, yeah, those are good points. Um, one thing, the one question I have is whether the Reds would have ever discovered the best hitter on their team. Did you know who led the team in OPS last year among batters with 30 or more bats on the Reds team? Uh, I, I would have said Joey Votto, but I'm guessing that's not the answer. That is not the answer. It is Michael Lorenzen with a 1,000-plus OPS, <laughs> 31 at-bats, four home runs, Reds would never discovered this gem if <laughs> they didn't have to bat pitchers. <laughs> My girls Michael remember. Lorenzo would have never been, you know, one of the more iconic moments of the past few years with Michael Lorenzo would have never happened. I admit. If he didn't have to go up and bat. <laughs> <laughs> I admit we were at the game last year, just last year, where he hit the grand slam. And my girls still talk about that game. They still talk about, remember when Michael Lorenzen, the pitcher, hit the yeah. grand slam? And uh, and it is a great memory to have. It, it's a wonderful memory. You're right. We wouldn't have discovered that. But we had to sit through a lot of at-bats throughout the season <laughs> <laughs> to watch people like Homer Barely get no hits and uh, and, and um Every other, you know, Discofani, Luis Castillo, these guys don't get hits or attempt to lay down a sacrifice or foul out trying to lay down a sacrifice. And the trade-off to me is just not there anymore. Uh, I, I do think of this in terms of who, who really wants to see a pitcher bat these days. Unless, of course, it's Michael Lorenzen or Madison Bumgarner. And I believe that uh, as a franchise, you get that option to still allow that pitcher to hit if you want. They can come in, and, and you don't have to have the DH. You can choose to let your pitcher hit. Um, and I, and once we get the DH, I would be curious to see how many teams employ letting their pitchers hit, uh, not named Madison Bumgarner. Uh, you know, the one of the things that I think the DH solves, and I think why I've changed my thinking on this as well, is because the offense in baseball has changed. Because of shifts, because of launch angles, because of everything like that, um, we, we've seen that batted balls in play are down. Uh, baseball is trying to institute a, a, a pitch clock or whatever between. And I, I, I don't like that idea. In fact, I don't think that that's yeah. the problem with baseball. This pace of play I don't think has to do with how much time the, the pitcher is circling around. I'm with them that I wish they would do it a little less. 
until the playoffs. Then I like the drama of it, so I don't care. But um, I, I think that I think adding any kind of clock to baseball is wrong. That's one of the beauties of baseball; is it doesn't have a clock. But one of the bigger problems is certainly the the batted balls and player down. There are more strikeouts, more walks, and I just don't think we need players who don't know how to hit up there taking at bats away from people who do. Um, also, one of the advantages that I've come to to accept is that the the DH provides for players in their older years who can't play in the field anymore. And so American League teams have the advantage of being able to sign players later in their career, uh, later in life, um, to even potentially longer deals and still have a place for them. I mean, I, I think Joey Votto is going to be one of those rare exceptions where he, he stays in such good shape and he cares so passionately about what he does that I think he'll be fine at first base. But if those skills had diminished um, I, I would I would love to know that we still have a spot for him uh, to hit in the lineup because I think he'll continue to be an on-base machine. And lastly, with that point, um, if we had the DH in the lineup instead of the pitcher, in theory, they would bat at a higher level. They would walk at a little higher level. They would help flip the lineup a little faster to help us get back to some of our player favorite players batting, like Bado and, and Suarez and uh, – and, and so I, I, I do think that that is a, a good argument for the DH coming to the, the National League. So I, I maybe, I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe you just love to see um, Discofani pop up a bunch of the pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got to admit that there are some pitchers that I love to watch, even though <laughs> just because I know they're getting out. <laughs> but, but yeah, okay, so... I'm not going over to the dark side yet. I totally understand some some reasoning for for it, um, but I think we can both agree that if the Reds had the DH this year in the National League, that they would be even more dominant this year because the roster's so stacked, and we wouldn't have this whole outfield controversy with with who to play. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Like selfishly. While I never believe in implementing a rule that that dramatically really helps one team, unless of course it's the Reds, and we should absolutely do it always. <laughs> but um, but this year, you're right. This this year would be a prime example where it would really help us. We could be able to have Winker or uh, Kemp in that DH role. It would allow us to to not have the outfield problem, and uh, we wouldn't even be talking about Senzel playing center because three weeks into the season, after we make sure we lock up that extra year of uh, of uh, eligibility for us not eligibility um the extra year that we would keep him he'd be up playing center field even if he's not good out there you know so yeah you're, you're right on that front and, and that that would help um and that would certainly help us going into to 2019 uh, i would think that the pet coa that that rates you know your your wins and losses and tells us exactly how many wins and losses your team is going to have before the season starts, so we don't need to play the games. Um, right. <laughs> uh, I, I think that would shoot us up in value and and probably get us closer to where that the the, the Brewers are and, and yeah, or or way past probably about a hundred hundred wins. Yeah, now I I do have, <laughs> yeah yeah of course hundred. <laughs> well, I think you're lowballing us here. <laughs> so I have a question for you. So if the NL is to keep Pitchers batting, if they are to keep pitchers batting, is there anything that you would suggest or anything that you would do or you would suggest to like the Reds or any other NL team as to how to potentially improve and make that a more valuable thing uh, 
in order to, to make the argument really against adding in the, these better hitters, like uh, adding, making yourself be able to have a David Ortiz in your lineup. Yeah, you know, honestly, it, it seems like every off season and even during in season, people are throwing around all these different ways to quote unquote improve the game. And, uh, my thought process is like, I am not resistant to change in like styles. Like I have nothing against the shift. I know some people are totally against the shift. I have nothing against people playing around with the styles of playing the game and the strategies of the game, but I'm not really a big proponent of, big rule changes to try to quote unquote change the game. Like I'm, you know, I, I don't like the time clock. Uh, one of the great things about baseball is it's the one sport that you don't have a clock uh, kind of timing out the game and, and measuring out the game. Uh, and that's one of the, the great things about the game. And, and that's the same thing with the pitchers. Like, you know, I don't, I don't have any kind of, uh, rule change, um, any kind of crazy off the wall idea a manager might have about how to handle pitchers, uh, and when they bat, um, like I'm all for that. I'm all, I'm all for, for managers like messing around with, um, strategy as long as, uh, you know, we're not changing the actual rules. Ah. So, so if that means a manager comes in and he's like, I want to have a pitcher that goes, three innings at a time and then we're constantly throwing in a, a pinch hitter. Like I, I wouldn't have anything against that. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything. I'm not exactly pro pitchers batting, but I, what I like about having that the pitchers have to take up a, a lineup spot is that it forces the managers to get creative as far as what they have to do. Like I, I feel like they have to think that much more about uh, in game strategy. Yeah, other than the pitcher thing, where you're completely wrong, I uh, think that everything else we're in pretty good agreement on. Um, I, 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 one of the things that I firmly believe is that this whole notion that baseball has a problem um, with with pace of play and it has other problems, and baseball has to address it, and that's why kids aren't watching. Like honestly, I don't think are that true. I really do believe that these are media narratives that we built up in our heads that, that we just kind of make these assumptions on. We assume that kids think it is slow. And I don't think that that's true. I actually think there's greater things that are affecting this. I think that travel baseball at a young age where honestly kids who have more money have been available and able to do this and it's making it hard for neighborhoods to put together teams. In fact, in our neighborhood, our girls love to play softball and it's becoming harder for them to have a team, we, we keep struggling to get kids. And I think it's because a lot of kids go on to do other things. And this is true in a lot of sports. But in baseball, it's harder because it, because in basketball, all you need is a ball and a hoop. In soccer, all you need is a ball and sometimes a goal. You can designate where the goal is. You don't even need the goal. In baseball, you need equipment. It's like you need mm -hmm. a ball and a bat and typically gloves. And, you know, hopefully helmets. And you need this stuff. You need the weather to be cooperative. Uh, and the weather has not been. If you look at over the past couple of years, um, there's been massive rain in the Midwest and also um, massive heat in the summer. And I think that's actually uh, contributed 
to uh, the some of the some of the problems and the disinterest of the game. People don't want to go and sit out in ninety eight degree heat all the time. I I kind of like it. I like doing it occasionally, but like I understand why a lot of people don't. Um, and and furthermore, I, I just think those are some of the things that are that were making it difficult uh, on baseball. And it's not necessarily the time. And it's you know you you can make some arguments for that. You can make some arguments for the the uh, the amount of strikeouts that are happening because that that does and the walks because that does slow down um, the excitement of the game. But I don't think you can change that until you force uh, essentially pitchers to to get more balls in the zone, force batters to swing more. So yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I I think those are good. Uh, I'm trying to look at any other to to shift back to the DH. Uh, because, you know, I, I was planning to just crush this argument here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Still looking for ways to win. <laughs> I, I'm still looking for, for ways to win this. Well, like, it's funny because, uh, you know, in the past, I, I had really, I had been one of those adamant against the DH things, so it makes me laugh. And this just shows you, anybody's thinking can change on anything with new information and over time. But I, I was really always against it because I think we were talking about this offline where I said, you know, I really think that, the the biggest one of the biggest arguments for me to keep the pat, pitcher in there, uh, batting is because if, if they have the audacity or the wherewithal to throw purposely at batters, then they should have to stand in the batter's box and face. Uh, I, I hate to say retaliation, but you know if, if you are going to be a pitcher who does that, you have to be willing to stand in there and, and kind of face the consequences of it. Otherwise, because one of the strongest arguments to me against it, other than the strategy, which I always appreciated, was that um, I don't want uh, a pitcher to go in and throw at a batter, and then in the next inning, that pitcher throw at Joey Votto. And I think that even happened last year. I think it happened with the Washington Nationals pitcher, maybe Ryan Madison, actually, where Bryce Harper yeah, got yeah. hit, and then... They threw a Joey Votto's knee, and then he was out for like a couple of weeks. And I hate that. I really hate that. It has nothing to do. I I don't think that the the pitch at Bryce Harper was intentional. Um, and so I so maybe that's not the best example. But I just don't believe that we should be throwing at best players because this is who people pay to see. And so if the pitcher has to get in there and bat, um, you you can make the case that uh, that. Uh, the, some of the best hitters won't face punishment for something that that they had nothing to do with, and so that, that that's kind of the argument. That said, my flip side would be, you know, we're talking about the starting pitchers. Once you get to the bullpen, they don't hit anyway. So right. <laughs> so maybe you're talking the first six innings of the game, but uh, you know, ultimately, one one of the other problems I think that has developed over time that has changed my mind is that in the minor leagues. Pitchers only focus on pitching. They really just don't focus on hitting, even in the National League. And if they're going to spend very little time doing that, um, then uh, what's the what's the point point of running them out there when you you could have the ability to throw someone out who could do something amazing? You know. Lastly, with that kind of to your point, back to Michael Lorenzen, and I do think that like when a pitcher does get a hit or knocks in runs or makes something, it, it is one of the most exciting moments of a game. So I, I I'll concede that one to you for sure. Yeah, it definitely is, uh, and especially if they get it, if they get it over that wall for the home run. Uh, that's something that sticks with you. So, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in uh in the next few years. I assume, 
I, I'm kind of with everyone that I assume that it's coming. And yeah, that, yeah. Even though I don't like seeing, I don't want to see it change. Um, I'm not blind enough to see that it's not possible. I mean, <coughs> it was not ruled out this off season that 2019 could have been uh, the year. And thankfully, like even though I think it would have really benefited the Reds this particular season if they had made the change, I would have been pretty. <coughs> wild if they made such a significant change after free agency had already started and everything after people yeah, that, already been making moves that that would have been really rough like i, I i'm selfishly would have been cool for and, and it would have been an yeah. interesting experiment but I, i'm like most things i believe that for a big change like this that will really affect the dynamics of a team that it's important to decide when that rule is going to take place and, and do it in a future year and even potentially five years down the road. Because really, I mean, I couldn't imagine being Nelson Cruz as a free agent and you're out there and you're limited to only 15 teams who can sign you in the in the American League, you know? And so that, that limits your uh, market. And then you finally decide to sign with the Twins for, you know, you got the deal. I, I, assume, I assume when these players get deals, they are the fair market deals because that's the best they could do. And then what if you found out a week later that, oh, we're adding the DH to the National League, and that would have opened up your market to probably make more money. And so that – or maybe even play in a place where you, you, you prefer to go. And so um, that that would have been rough, and I, I think you got to put it at several years out so teams can start preparing, start preparing their budgets. Players can effectively uh, know that it's coming so they can change their ideas of the market, how that will play out. So – uh, yeah, I, I think that will come. I, I think that change is going to come. I, I don't think they are going to eliminate the shift. I don't understand how you can do that. Yeah, like, I think it, that that's a very difficult, <laughs> like, like, are they going to start putting lines up on the infield? Like, right. you just you gotta stay, stay inside this box. <laughs> I don't, I don't really want that. Like, this isn't a change, like where they started having the base coaches wear helmets instead of hats, you know? It's like, I don't even notice that. But, like, if they put marks on the field, I think we would notice. Maybe we get used to it over time. But um, that that one I, I don't think is possible. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did the other rule change they suggested, which was the um, uh, when you bring in a pitcher that they have to face a minimum of three batters. Like, I'm not sure if I'm for that, but that I do think that that is going to happen. I think that's something that uh, – that, that, the baseball will will argue for um and i think honestly i think in turn that the uh the players association will be on board with it if they can add one more roster spot to teams to give more opportunities to players so i i do think that's kind of the shift thing i i don't see how you you litigate that or uh yeah, that one's going to be uh difficult yeah and yeah anyways it's been a good debate it's Sort of refreshing, like I'm. I'm always glad that uh, we agree so often, but it's kind of refreshing that uh, we actually uh, have different views on um, something. Yeah, regarding baseball. So yeah, it's funny. Well, uh, you know, I, I get it with my softball buddies, and we get around, and it seems like everybody disagrees about everything half the time, or we break into factions and everything. But uh, I think if you were at my field, you'd be on the, the side that I'm usually on. And uh, and it's fun that that we we have this. And we'll, we'll see how it plays out, and 
you know, if when it happens, will it be good for baseball, not good for baseball? You know, only time will tell. Uh, but, but you know, in October, <laughs> we won't be talking about it because we'll be standing on Fountain Square celebrating together. That's right. All I know is that, you know, for, for your argument about National League not being ready for the American League in the World Series, the Reds are going to be ready this year. <laughs> And then they're going to be winning it all. So <laughs> <laughs> That is happening. Everybody fly to Vegas, mark it down, place your bets. Thank us later by listening to future podcasts. Uh, on that note, I do want to thank everybody out there for listening to today. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes and share with your friends, especially if the Reds won the World Series last year and we called it and, and, and you heard it here first or... 20th i don't know where you've been hearing it who says it but anyway you know we we really appreciate any uh ratings on itunes uh and sharing with friends um and of course stay tuned for more of the bleeding cincy reds podcast we we plan to crack out a few more during spring training and especially as the season goes on because we're so pumped about this year uh as always follow us on twitter at bleeding cincy red without a g and uh, especially because we, we're going to continue this debate here uh, after the podcast is out and see what you guys think, uh, whether the NL should add a DH or not. And finally, a special thanks to our all-time favorite Red, Barry Larkin, for listening. I'm sure he's tuned in somewhere. Go Reds! Go Reds! <laughs>